This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open. We're looking for your pet questions this morning as we close out 2018. Don't let them linger into the new year. So from dogs to cats and everything in between, the phone lines fill up quickly during our show. So don't hesitate to call or send an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. And if you have any journal wildlife experiences, you can share those as well. To join the conversation, call one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. And we always like to remind you that if you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursday morning, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Doing well. Good morning. Hope you are too. Yeah, doing uh, doing well. Uh, kind of, you know, the... Think about the rain here, at least in central Mississippi, for the last week or so. It's, it just seems like it's been kind of steady, uh, not like pouring down rain, but just kind of a constant rain for hours on end. And it can get to be a little bit depressing, but hopefully it's not uh, putting too much of a damper on folks' uh, Christmas and holiday plans. And we wish everyone uh, happy holidays uh, that uh, listens to the show and hope that you have a good holiday season. We're going to jump right into things. Uh, Sue in Beaumont has called in this morning. Sue, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. I wanted to tell you about a wildlife sighting that I had before Dr. Major gets busy. All right. The other day I was in my car at the end of the driveway and saw movement of something behind my neighbor's pasture fence across the road. And uh, it was two wild turkeys who suddenly just flew up over that fence and in unison they flew across the road and lit in my lit in my yard. Has, have you ever seen turkeys in flight? They're just magnificent, so beautiful, so wonderful to see them. And uh, it's been years since I've seen turkeys, so I hope they're making a rebound. And uh, I wonder what time of the year they, they mate and have little ones. Not this time of the year, but there were two turkeys together there. I'm not sure. Dr. Major? Very, very good, yeah. Turkeys are magnificent uh, animals, and they're pretty smart in general, Uh in the early spring, they, they start into the courtship and mating, and uh, they have uh, they do lay their eggs on the ground, and uh, that is one problem with turkeys. Uh, predators can destroy the nest, um, and turkeys seem to cycle. Uh, not a turkey hunter myself, but I'm certainly familiar with other people that are, and it seems like numbers uh, cycle up and down, so... It, hopefully you've got plenty right around your home, and it was good to see those, I'm sure. That's why Benjamin Franklin wanted the turkey to be our national bird instead of the eagle. <laughs> yep. All right, uh, Sue, appreciate your call. Good to hear from you this morning. That's one of the more striking uh, pictures, the uh, Audubon uh, picture of the, of the American wild turkey. is beautiful. All right, uh, let's uh, continue on next. We'll say good morning to Gene in Bay St. Louis. Gene, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hi, we're having some issues. We've got a new phone system in there, so we're working out some uh, issues. Let's see. Gene, are you with us now? Yes, are you there? There we go. Sorry about that. Gene, go ahead. Oh, good morning to you. Thanks for taking my call. I found a baby raccoon in my driveway uh, two days ago now. I've still got the baby raccoon, and I'm wondering 
is it legal to have this thing or is it illegal to, to, to keep this baby coon? Good question. And we uh, are presented with that question quite often. My suggestion would be to call the Mississippi Wildlife Fishers and Parks uh, people in your area. They have told us before that uh, there's not a, it, it, you're really not supposed to keep it as a permanent pet, but certainly I understand the compassion of trying to save a baby rabbit, uh, a baby raccoon, squirrel, whatever. And uh, I, I would agree with that. But uh, why don't you contact them in the past? And this may be totally wrong. They said if you have a uh, fishing uh, game and fish uh, license, that it is permissible to keep them uh, under certain circumstances. So I would say contact them if you would. Okay, I'll do that. I'll, I'll do that first thing today. Thank you for your help. All right. Take care. Thanks for the call, Gene. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Major is here, so it's an all-pet day. Libby Hartfield out this week, so uh, we're looking for your pet questions and uh, wildlife observations. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. So, Dr. Major, I need to give you some props here. Uh, My cat came in to your clinic for his uh, annual checkup. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I'd been having an awful time uh, with fleas. And uh, you, folks at the clinic suggested uh, that uh, I switch uh, using uh, flea medicine. So I went from, I think, a, a frontline type of medicine to Brevecto. And uh, so far, so good. I, I have not seen a single flea on my cat since then. Uh, but that brings up an idea of sometimes um, if a medicine's been around a long time, maybe our fleas possibly building up a little bit of a resistance to it, and sometimes it's a good idea to change that medication. I think we see this in just about all uh, insects. They have a remarkable ability to uh, survive. And when a medication uh, such as Frontline, which is over the years has been a great medication, but in some instances we're seeing some resistance to that and to some other excuse me, some other type uh, flea control medications. Uh, So it sounds like the Brevecto is working for you, and uh, it should last for a while. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good thing. I think in this case it's about, I think, a three-month dose. So um, because... um, my cat does not, you know, it's the topical one, so you got to squirt it on the back of his neck there, and right. he uh, he does not like that uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, so uh, the fact that I don't have to do it as frequently is, is certainly a plus for me, and I know he uh, appreciates that as well. Most cats resist, resist anything that's put on their back that's not not normal, and I suppose after them grooming themselves, and they will groom excessively if you uh, place a medication like that, uh, on their back where they can get to it. Sometimes they literally will lick the hair off. Yeah, he, uh, and that's the other thing. He uh, is uh, one of the more fidgety cats I've had. He certainly is one that uh, likes to groom, and and I've noticed that, that it's nothing uh, that's ever uh, um, permanent, but he does sometimes have some spots where the fur is missing, and uh, that's, I think, just from him, you know, licking and chewing and that kind of thing. So he's he is certainly fidgety, but uh, that uh, he he's a ball of energy as well, and it's it's so fun to watch him. I've got a long hallway down the middle of my house, and to see him chase after his ball like that, it's kind of fun. And hopefully, it's uh, giving him some good exercise too, because uh, he is a bundle of energy, that's for sure. So when we uh, talk about flea control, I guess in some parts of the country, when it gets to be winter, uh, the weather gets cold enough to where fleas are not as much of a problem. But I think I've heard you mention before here in Mississippi. Uh, flea control needs to be a year-round situation. 
I really think so. We rarely have extended periods. And, you know, we're talking about with the cold outside. Now, you can have a situation where you have fleas that remain inside, either in the uh, carpet, uh, furniture, or, you know, certainly if you have fleas on a cat or a dog. But there are areas of the country that uh, have sufficient cold weather that it does reduce the uh, burden or number of fleas uh, that might be there. And one other thing about flea control that uh, that I learned at the last visit is it's important, too, to not only uh, treat your pet, but to make sure maybe with uh, your regular exterminator or maybe some product that you buy uh, at the pet store or a clinic to, to make sure you're treating your house uh, for fleas as well. Right. In, in many cases, uh, it's a three-pronged effort, uh, starting with the pet, the house, and even the yard, mm-hmm. uh, if there's that situation where they're picking up fleas outside. And certainly there are plenty of stray animals, uh, cats especially, and uh, they can leave fleas and flea eggs uh, just when they visit your front porch, for example, the front door. Yeah, and then that's another thing that you had mentioned to me that uh, I think that when you're doing that home treatment uh, of the flea uh, prevention uh, sprays to make sure that you um, make you know get by the the, the door, maybe the, the entryway to right. the door, because, you know, that's the case because the other day, uh, when I came home, there was a kind of a neighborhood cat that was not mine uh, sitting on the front porch. So yes. uh, I usually like cats, and I wasn't mean, but I did kind of shoo him off because it's kind of <laughs> okay. like, hey, you know, there's another cat that lives at this house. You've got to go find someplace else. <laughs> okay. uh, we've got uh, another caller on the line uh, that we'll get to in just a minute. Uh, this is an all-pet day on uh, Creature Comforts. You can call in with your pet question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Before we go to the break, we'll talk to Joe in Memphis. Joe, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you. I have a 12 year old beagle, female, and her uh, every month, we, my wife or I have to take her into the veterinarian to have her anal glands cleaned because they get so clogged up and bad. And the last time we took her in, the veterinarian says, this is getting worse and worse and says that we need to have them removed. And this veterinarian said that um, she really rarely recommends removing anal glands because that could also affect their um, uh, muscles for their, um, for their pooping. So right. I hate to say it that way, but that's what she was describing. Right. I would want to get a second opinion about that okay. from the doctor. And uh, has there ever been any uh, infection or blood involved with the anal gland or anal sacs? Last time. Uh... Uh, we're, again, dealing with a new phone right. system, so we well, lost that. If uh, I'll, Go I'll ahead. Con- yeah. continue on with uh, Joe's question, and thank you, Joe, for your call. Uh, anal glands are a source of irritation for both the pet and the owner. And sometimes the anal glands can get so severe that they leave uh, smears of anal gland on the couch or on you. Uh, It's usually a problem in dogs. And the vet was exactly right. Normally, uh, we don't advise taking the anal glands out. It does need to be done in a meticulous manner if it's done because you can damage the nerves that are involved with the rectal muscles, which are important with defecation, obviously. Uh, I would suggest, and probably the vet has already advised, maybe increasing the fiber in the diet. This seems to help. And, of course, when you get to a 12-year-old dog, it's hard to 
maybe in some cases exercise as much as necessary. So these are things that uh, might be tried uh, before surgery, but uh, it sounds like this has gotten to be a continuing problem. And uh, I would uh, suggest uh, following your veterinarian's lead. If she really thinks these need to be come out, just be aware that there is a precautionary thing as far as defecation. You do not want the dog to have, uh, what shall I say, involuntary defecation around the house. All right, uh, Joe, thanks for your call. Uh, We're going to take our first break this hour. When we get back, we will continue Pet Day on Creature Comforts. Dr. Major here looking for your pet questions this morning. And again, if you have a brush with wildlife you'd like to share with us, you can call in as well. The phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. When we get back, we'll look at some of the top gifts your pet would love to see under the Christmas tree this year. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield is out this week, so today is an all-pet question day. If you have a question about your pet, you can give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. As predicted, it's a busy day. We've got some many phone calls to get to, but a little bit of fun before we do there. Before the break, we talked about some gifts your pet might want to see under the Christmas tree. Here are some suggestions from Good Housekeeping. Uh, a heated pet bed, that may be nice for uh, the cool weather here in the fall and the winter. Even in Mississippi, it gets cold where a dog or a cat might like to have a heated bed to nap on. Holiday PJs, we've talked about uh, you know putting uh, uh, clothes on your pet, and sometimes we think it's more for the owner than the, the dog or cat, uh, but they might like that. Uh, an interactive laser for your cat, although I read online somewhere, uh, that to help in, avoid frustration, uh, that when you're playing with a laser with your cat, uh, have something that it can eventually catch or 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 uh, get to so that it doesn't feel too uh, frustrated about chasing a laser around and never having the outcome of, of finishing the hunt. So maybe you have uh, his, his favorite ball or something and you could eventually lead him to it with the laser so he could have some fun, but eventually he finds his prey and uh, feels like he's been successful. A cat play tunnel, that sounds like a lot of fun. Cats love, you know, kind of confined spaces, uh, so they'd love to crawl around in that. And a, this is one I think that they talked about on our Everyday Tech Show on Wednesdays uh, one week, a pet camera system. You can talk to your pet while you're at work, but also it will dispense some treats. So that's an interesting one as well. Uh, so we do have a full line uh, to get to of uh, phone calls. So we will begin in Osaka, our friend Kathleen on the line. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Even though it's a little drizzly outside, I wanted to wish first you and the staff of uh, the station there a very happy New Year, Merry Christmas, and that everything goes as good, well, better better next year than this year. We always look forward to that. Thank you. But um, I've got a delightful situation here. I have one cat named Handsome that always seems to come down with a UTI. He's got special food. There's three gallon-sized water distributors. I spray their food with homemade chicken stock with no additives sometimes, and I'm doing everything standing on my head, and it's still. And every time I seem to take them, it's $200-plus. Okay. So how old is this cat? He's uh, right at 10. 
10. Okay, so this has been kind of an ongoing problem with him. Yeah, he's fixed. Right, but kind of a, is he overweight? Handsome was born overweight. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, this might help. He's like a little tank, you know. He's still about 18 pounds. And you have several cats, I understand, so. Uh, Nine. Difficult to control the food, uh, especially if you he if you leave it eat out that much. If you he leave. really doesn't. Right. Uh, what food are you feeding now? I think it's called Premier. It, it's a special order. It's over twenty bucks a bag. It's supposed to be the best I can get, you know, for them. And, and I it, feed them all that, you know, since they can't give one this and one the other. Right. I've been washing bowls all day. And, you know, frankly, most cat foods have improved greatly over the years. Uh, we used to see a lot more of the UTI, block tomcats or block male cats, this sort of thing. Uh, you might try adding, if you can, some type of urinary acidifier uh, to his to his diet, whether it's cranberry-type stuff or some other commercial urinary acidifier. I had bought him these cranberry chews. Right. And he really liked them, but I didn't know if they did any good or not. Well, they might. And, of course, not seeing a urinalysis, I don't know whether his urine has been uh, basic or acidic. Uh, you'd like for it to be fairly acidic. Uh, uh-huh. But at the same time, uh, it may be one of those things that he is going to have a continuing problem. And I, Yeah, because I've got yeah. four males and five females. Right. And... Uh, He's the only one. Right. So it's, I don't think it's something I'm doing. I'm just thinking it's him. Right. And it, it may be that uh, if he's perfectly healthy in every other way, except for being overweight, it may be something that you have to put up with or deal with. Uh, I would hope that maybe, though, the urinary acidifiers could help some. You might talk to well, your I, vet and try I wanted that. to tell you a quick story. Yeah. Remember when we had that six inches of snow? Yes. And sometimes voices carry. Well, I was out in the yard playing with Handsome, being silly. And I said, come on over here, Handsome. Give me a hug, a hug, a hug. So <laughs> just goofing around. And, of course, I live by myself, so I didn't think I could be put on camera or anything. So the mailman was by my mailbox. <laughs> and he heard me, but I didn't see him, you know. So next time I went to town, he goes, Kathleen, what are you doing? He said, are you talking to Elvis out there? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you weren't talking. Hug, the hug, the hug. I said, no, stupid. That's my cat, Handsome. He just smiled. He goes, whatever floats your boat. I said, I'll tell Handsome you didn't mind. Well, thank you, but, Kathleen. Uh, we and get you... silly with our pets, but it's right. worth it. keeps me a little smiley right. every now and then. It does. Listen, right. you and have I a good new year. Good and Christmas. I'm sure I will again all next year. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Kathleen, for your call. Uh, let's move on. Next, we'll go to Tara calling in from Alabama with a pet question for us. Go ahead, Tara. You're on the air with us. Hi. Yes, good morning. I have a question. Um, my husband and I have recently moved about three counties over, and we have a, a we have an old, a 13-year-old schnauzer and a one-year-old schnauzer. And our last house we had, we really didn't have problems with fleas at all. Thankfully, we were very lucky. But our new home, it seems though, when we moved in, we had an abundance of them. So we put our dogs on uh, flea medicine, uh, Comfortis. And we're trying to decide our little dog, our older dog has no problems at all, but our little dog has been uh, licking um, and and her fur is coming out towards her fi- her hind end, and we were just 
all, on all down her back legs. And we're wondering, is it an allergic reaction to the medicine or to the fleas that she may pick up out in the yard before they die from the medicine that she's on? Right. Or is it the spray that we're having to use um, with the, I mean, we've had our house always sprayed for fleas, no matter where we've been, but we're just not sure what's causing this reaction with her when the older one doesn't have it. And I don't see fleas on her. Right. Um, you know, it sounds like ideas? most of the time when we have a reaction like that, it is from fleas if they're uh, licking and chewing the posterior third of their body or the posterior half. Uh, on the other hand, she could have an allergy to something other than fleas. Uh, the medication, do you, what medication did you get for fleas? Confortis is what they're on. Oh, Confortis, right. And Confortis is, is a good medication. It usually works quite well. Uh, so if you haven't seen your vet, I think it'd be wise to at least discuss this. And it may be mm-hmm. that some medication might be necessary for her. There may be something in this house or in the yard that she's allergic to. So okay. um, I would I would suggest that since you have the fleas under control, uh, however, one thing to caution, though, if there are fleas in the yard, it only takes one okay. bite. The flea saliva, uh, if a dog is allergic to those, uh, it can okay. cause some issues. So why don't you consult with your vet on that, and best of luck to you uh, getting that under Thanks. control. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, Tara. Let's uh, get one more call in before our next break, and we talk with Kay, who's called in today. Good morning, Kay. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Thank you very much. I have a one-year-old flat-coated high-energy retriever, and she likes to eat dirt. Is this a problem? I have her on from large breed puppy formula. Right. She gets treats on occasion. Um, I'm assuming she's relatively healthy. Uh, she regularly sees the vet, but she likes mud clots and dirt clots. She's not the only dog that uh, does that, and we see uh, dogs. Sometimes there's one dog in a family uh, that eats dirt and others don't, and I've seen more than one dog in a family eat dirt. Uh, sometimes the uh, owner uh, felt like they were trying to dig up something, uh, whether it was an earthworm or some other insect. But uh, if she, I would suggest a good vitamin, even though she's on a good quality food, uh, okay. a good quality vitamin might help balance it, uh, okay. you know, her diet. But also, if you haven't done blood work, it might be wise just to be sure that she's not anemic, which she probably isn't. But still, I think a, a blood work would be important to know. Okay. okay. And I have an appointment this afternoon with a vet, so I will get the blood work and, done and Ashwood vitamins. Right, and it gets to be a habit with a lot of these dogs. Uh, they they will do that. It's just like the licking dog. We have dogs that lick uh, right. quite a bit and it, more of a habit than anything else. But best of luck to you, and I sure hope that uh, something that your vet can help you with there. Okay, thank you so much. Jeff. All right. All right. Yes, ma'am. Thanks, uh, Kay, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Uh, before we take our next break, we talked about some unusual gifts that Good Housekeeping recommended for your pet. There's also some classic gifts as well, maybe buy uh, a new set of food bowls uh, for your pet to eat from, um, uh, maybe a shiny new collar, squeaky toys. I know uh, dogs love those especially, although, again, be careful about the actual squeaky thing, and sometimes dogs are, are so uh, uh, clever that they, they can chew that out, so be 
careful when, and monitor when they're playing with it. And then a scratch pad uh, for cats. I know my cat loves uh, to scratch everywhere, and so uh, he could probably not have enough scratching posts located throughout the house. But I think uh, they like that, and I guess it, it's kind of soothing uh, for their for their claws. Uh, Dr. Major, is that why they tend to scratch so much? Well, cats uh, really have a need to do that, and they actually loosen the outer shell of that uh, claw, and they get replaced. So it's, it is a functional thing, and that's one reason that they will continue to do it. Cats that don't scratch or have a, a problem scratching, they will actually have uh, abnormal nail growth uh, in, in many instances. So it is something that they need to do. They need to scratch. All right. Uh, we need to take another break. When we get back, we've got David and Martha on the line ready with their pet questions. And we're looking for your pet question as well. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. When we get back, we'll also talk about five popular holiday decorations that might cause your pet some health problems. So stay tuned. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting for more information. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's an all-pet day today, so we're looking for your pet questions. Uh, if you'd like to uh, call one in, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. During the break, uh, Dr. Major and I were chatting, and, and uh, Dr. Major, you made a, a great point that some of those toys that we talked about for your pet uh, probably are more for the uh, owner than necessary. Well, I guess maybe something you can share with your pet. Exactly, and, you know, I have no problems with uh, the pet pajamas or whatever. Uh, certainly some of them may not like that, uh, but there's some of the short-haired breeds that, you know, really probably could benefit from it. All right. And so uh, before the break, we also mentioned some holiday decorations uh, that might cause some health problems for your pet. This comes from prevention.com. Uh, mistletoe can cause vomiting if your cats or dogs eat the sprigs, so be careful about that. Holly can cause a similar reaction but could be much worse. Christmas tree needles could cause an obstruction requiring surgery if your pets eat too many of them. Pollen on lilies can cause kidney failure in your cat even if they just brush up against it. And poinsettias are commonly known to be poisonous to pets. They can cause upset stomachs if eaten, but in truth, the danger of poinsettias are sometimes largely exaggerated. So out of those, Dr. Major, do any of them ring a bell, and does that seem about right? They've done some rethinking on the poinsettia and have downgraded it from poisons to somewhat uh, irritating and certainly can cause a, a dog or a cat to throw up if they should chew on it or eat it and just to mention we're already into the vomiting diarrhea season and diarrhea and it's it's one of those things that uh, happens when we think that our pet could maybe eat the same things that we're eating mm-hmm. and enjoy it uh i had a case uh last weekend where we had a uh, small dog that ate uh, ham trimmings mm-hmm. and actually developed salt poisoning because it was quite salty. And we have to be aware of things that maybe our pets uh, can't exactly eat the same thing that we do. 
Uh, but yes, uh, those plants, you have to be careful. And also I'll remind again to be careful with the water that's in the Christmas tree stand you know, to help preserve that. Sometimes an additive is made and that can be quite toxic uh, to our pets. And I think you're right about the, the people food, because I could see two things. First of all, as you mentioned, with a little small dog, uh, it's it's probably the uh, the size of the portion. But also, if they're not used to eating that, and all of a sudden they get you know the, the luxury of all that rich food, again, that really does seem to where it could cause some digestive issues, for right. sure. Okay, um, let's uh, go back to the phone lines. We start... Uh, in Horn Lake, David has called in today. Good morning, David. You're on the air with us. Uh, good morning. <clears throat> Thank you for taking my call. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Uh, I've got two big oak trees in, on my yard, in my yard, and I've got three dogs, two silky terriers and a chihuahua. <laughs> and a big red-tailed hawk has started to hang around my property. And it may be my imagination, but I swear when I let my dogs out, that hawk, start, that hawk starts licking his lips. <laughs> my question to you is, will that hawk attack small dogs? And if so, how can I safely, I realize they're a protective species, how right. can I uh, scare that hawk off and keep, you know, without right. hurting him and right. keep him from hanging around my property? Right. Here's the thing. And, of course, uh, this is from uh, uh, bird experts. They say that an owl or a hawk can probably only pick up approximately 25 to 30% of its body weight. So that might give you a little indication. However, they have very sharp talons and can inflict some damage, you know, on a small dog. Um, I have a small chihuahua as well. She's white. And uh, I would say that that's an excellent uh, bait, if you will, for, for a hawk or an owl. So... The question is, yes, they can do some damage. Normally, uh, most of our dogs are big enough that they're not going to pick up and take away, but they might hurt uh, with their talons if they tried. Uh, I'd have to uh, yield to some bird experts maybe to help uh, eliminate or help move the hawk. Uh, Generally, they are not going to sit there Always, but you need to be careful when you let your dogs out, I would say. It sounds like, as you said, he may be licking his lips. Normally, they would feed more on rabbits and uh, uh, rodents and squirrels. Uh, Have you ever seen the hawk actually look like it was going to take off and and get your dog? What that would look like. Like I said, he just... uh, uh, I haven't noticed them before, yeah. and I realize they some of them migrate. Right. And I may be, what do you call it, uh, a little bit paranoid or whatnot. Right. But I, would, I would hope the sock moves on. Uh, maybe noise, this sort of thing, might help uh, uh, help move it on out. So that would be the best thing, I would think. The problem is sometimes they nest, and they're not nesting now, but sometimes they do nest close by. Mm-hmm. And I would be more worried about a nesting pair than I would be about this particular hawk. Like I say, my dogs, all, all, all three of them weigh under five pounds. So you, need, I mean, you, need, you need an air horn. That might work. An uh, air horn? Yeah. Okay. Just, you know what? I'll get one of them. Just, something, that. just something to uh, scare the hawk with. Just scare yeah. them off. And, mm-hmm. Right. I don't think that would be against the law or any problem, okay? 
Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. All right. David, thanks for the call. Yeah, I would agree. Maybe if every time he lets his dogs out, if he has uh, an air horn or something that makes a loud noise, yeah. I think that might uh, pr- probably scare the hawk off. But again, uh, if he knows the hawk is out there and has some small dogs, maybe keep an extra eye on the pets while they're outside uh, to see what that might be. Uh, next on the line, we have Martha, who's called in from Starkville. Good morning, Martha. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Um, I have a curious observation, and I just wanted to pass it on and see if it was unusual. Um, I have a, about a 13-year-old calico, female, of course, been fixed. And anyway, recently, I have observed her two times uh, marking. Um, she'll back up to a tree or a post or something, raise her tail, quivers, and all of a sudden she sits, sends out about a 12-inch stream of urine. And I just wondered if that's unusual. I didn't know. I mean, I don't know how she does it, really. It is unusual in a female cat uh, to, uh-huh. to mark the territory or to, quote, spray. Uh-huh. And think about spray in most cases. A lot of the males, if you watch them, uh, when they do that, it'll be more like an atomizer, <laughs> a mister, uh, uh-huh. as opposed to a stream of urine. Uh-huh. We do see uh, some females, but I'd say the percentage is very low. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe in the 1% to 5% of females that will actually spray or mark the territory like that. I think this is something new. Would there be anything different in her life that might Well, it sounds like she is uh, maybe becoming protective of her area. Now, is she inside-outside cat? or She's inside-outside, uh-huh. Right. Yep. Uh, is she doing this inside? No, not doing it you, inside. You may have outside. a tomcat in the area that's uh-huh. marking. Uh-huh. Well, I have and, a tom. I have a cat, a male a fixed cat, too, right. and they don't get along very well. Right. I don't know whether but, she's trying to tell him something or not. Could be, but there are some cases, I would say, where you get a uh, wandering male, intact uh-huh. male, and the urine, of sure course, is much, much more potent uh, than than hers or your neutered male, mm-hmm. and they will mark a territory. She may be trying to cover it up. I don't know. Maybe. But uh, oh. as long as she's not doing it inside, I think you're okay. Yeah. If it persists, if she acts sick, I'd certainly get her checked uh, yep. by your vet, okay? Okay. Now, can I ask a question, too? Uh, yes. Both both of our cats are inside-outside, and I, they're, since they are, we haven't declawed them. I'm not sure we'd do it anyway. But anyway, um, they do scratch a lot. Is there is there any way to, uh, and on furniture and rugs and so forth, So, right. uh, it, and we've never had a scratching pole, is can we entice them to use it? Can they be enticed to use a scratching pole? Or yes, they can. Nice? And uh, what I would suggest is maybe get a uh, carpet remnant that has the like the burlap or uh, hemp type uh, backing. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe put that over where they're uh, scratching, uh-huh. and just to see if they will use it. Uh, there okay. is a product uh, called Soft Paws. Mm-hmm. which you can trim the the claw and put this little plastic claw on. Uh, mm-hmm. you do, it does use an adhesive or uh, glue, mm-hmm. and those last about 30 days. So if you were willing to do that, certainly you could. But try the yeah. uh, carpet remnants first and see okay. if they might be attracted to that as far as scratching. Okay, thanks so much. All right, and, uh, Martha, I'd also say when, uh, when I get my cat a new scratching post, 
or you know any kind of uh, thing where he can do his claws. If I kind of where show him where it is, he seems to gravitate towards that. And as we were saying earlier, uh, you know they enjoy doing it. It helps kind of keep uh, their claws uh, uh, in good working condition. So I think that if you kind of let them know where it is, I think they might just naturally gravitate towards that. So we appreciate okay. your call. Uh, let's move on. Next, we'll go to Mobile. David is on the line. Good morning, David. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Uh, good morning. Uh, if I may, just a real quick uh, uh, comment on the gentleman, uh, other David, who was interested in uh, you know danger to his dog as far as uh, hawks. There's a famous case down in Florida. Lady was out walking uh, her small dog on leash, and a hawk grabbed hold of it. So you had the hawk on one end and the lady on the other end. And she literally uh, was close to a building and slammed the dog and the hawk up against the uh, uh, side of the building. Uh, uh, both survived, but uh, not without injury. Yeah. Um, well, those, those things have happened. Yeah. And uh, I would certainly be, be aware that uh, there is a predator hawk in the area. Uh, appreciate that comment. And uh, yeah, we have a 14-pound uh, uh, Shih Tzu and a uh, pair of great horned owls where uh, uh, we walk on a daily basis. But I think at 14 pounds, she's probably okay, uh, at least as far as being airborne. I think so too. And as I said, the talons—they can actually do some damage with those talons. Oh, yeah. Trying to pick something up if they misjudge that, hey, I can get away with this. But, but back to my question, if I may, real yes. quick. Uh, we have gone just recently from a uh, 91 pound uh, large uh, uh, Australian Shepherd to a uh, 14 pound uh, Shih Tzu. So it's a, a big adjustment for us as far as feeding. And we are currently feeding her only three ounces of uh, dry food. We use uh, 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 Merrick uh, Dry, and we uh, wet it with just enough uh, you know, wet food to you know, coat it so it's a little more palatable. Uh, but she seems to be gaining a little uh, bit of weight, even on that little bit of food. Uh, any any thoughts as to cut down? You know, right. three ounces right. is not much. It's not much. Uh, how old is she? She well, she's a rescue, and we think she's about two and a half. Right. And uh, I'm sure she's been spayed. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing: there may be something going on, either thyroid or some other uh, problem. Sounds like she's healthy, other than the fact she's picking up some weight, right? Uh, correct. Oh, yes. Very active. Right. Uh, uh, right. We run her uh, uh, every uh, day, weather permitting, right. and you know she's she's a runner, uh, which right. surprised me. I would, me I would say she's probably in pretty good shape. I don't know how much weight she's gaining. Why don't you uh, do some uh, make a log of weighing her at least, let's say, twice a month? If oh, she, yes. If she yes. continues to gain, uh, certainly talk to your vet about possibly some blood work and see if there's uh, some underlying cause. But okay. a 14-pound Shih Tzu, right, is uh, probably not over, overly overweight at the same time. 
uh, depending on the body build, you may need to be careful with that. But that sounds like a very small amount of food, so let's uh, keep an eye on it, okay? Now, our vet, as far as food, uh, he said, you know, feed dry food because the chewing, you know, helps clean their teeth. But dogs don't chew their food. Uh, <laughs> there's there's you know. a controversy about that, and I agree with you, uh, of course, your vet uh, may, but I've seen dogs that are on canned food that have perfectly good tooth teeth, and I've seen dogs on dry food. A lot of the, the teeth problems in dogs is genetic, and uh, it uh, there are a lot of dogs out there that require uh, some dental care. So uh, I believe February is coming up with uh, dental month for pets. Uh, <laughs> but before then, you might want to talk to your to your vet and have look at those teeth, but I'm not going to totally disagree with that, but I really don't believe that it's as important as some people would make out to feed a, just a dry food. Right. Uh, and so we, uh, uh, an ounce and a half per meal, and then maybe a, a, a half of a tablespoon of uh, uh, wet. Right. We are feeding right. her wellness. You're, you're definitely we, not overfeeding her, so let's... We're, let's, we're mixing it up, right. uh, uh, so... You know, uh, we're convinced it's more palatable. I don't know about her. Okay. Anyway. All right. Okay. As always, thanks for the help. All right. Thanks for your call. Good to hear from you, David. Uh, let's take a final break. When we get back, we will continue taking your pet questions on creature comforts. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We've got Margaret and Mikey on the line. We'll get to those calls and your call when we get back. And also, see if you can name the top cat breed in Mississippi. We'll have the answer after the break. So stay tuned. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Because uh, Libby Hartfield is out this week, it's an all-pet day today, and we've been getting a number of pet questions. Still time, though, a couple minutes left in the show for you to work in a question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can always send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. So before the break, we asked the question, what's the most popular cat breed here in Mississippi? And Dr. Major uh, uh, correctly says that qualified these top breeds that when we talk about them, probably talking about registered uh, breeds. Uh, but it is the Persian, a long-haired breed of cat characterized by a round face and a short muzzle, also known as the Persian long hair. Uh, but you said, Dr. Major, probably just common cats, uh, domestic short hair, you're saying probably about 80 to 90 percent of the cats out there could fit under that uh, description. That, that char- characterizes, and you might want to include domestic long hair in that as well but uh that's that's the cat that we see most often uh would be classed as a domestic but if you look at the different uh wide variety genetically of cats you can see other breeds in just the common cats that are i won't say on the street but that are uh in the area so uh you can look at some cats and say gosh that's gonna got some Maine coon uh in it but at the same time it could be something else all right uh, back to the phone lines we go. We're going to Panola. Margaret has called in today. Good morning, Margaret. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I have a 
rescue 16-year-old poodle Jack Russell mix who I have taken in, and I also have a cat, and the little dog is she is trying to eat the cat's waste in the cat litter. Okay. This probably, <clears throat> a lot of, a lot, I'll just say this quickly, a lot of dogs consider that as uh, cat candy. Uh, they will go to the litter box. They will go outside and dig up uh, cat poo in the uh, yard if there's a cat going in the uh, flower bed or something like that. The only thing that I can say that probably you could help to break this dog of this habit would be to elevate your cat box where the dog can't get to it, uh, which may not be a good thing for you, but um, this dog is going to try to get in there and, and get that. So, Is it going to hurt the dog? Yeah. You know, if the cat is healthy, uh, probably not as much as we might like to think. Uh, I would it's suggest. Very, very I would su- There is a product uh, called Forbid, F-O-R-B-I-D, that you could feed to the cat if the cat would eat it. Uh, that, in some cases, uh, is a deterrent uh, for huh. other animals eating the poo. So, good luck to you. But it's it's uh, if you can elevate that cat box where. The dog can't get to it. It might be your best bet. Thank you for your help. All right. Margaret, thanks for the call. And that's not the first time we've had that question. So apparently that is not uh, unusual behavior for our dogs when they're living together with cats. Right. Uh, All right. Next, we've got uh, Mikey from Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Glad to have you on the show. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. Um, And happy holidays. Um, uh, I, I... discovered something recently regarding fleas that had not occurred to me before so i thought i'd like to share it you know with some other folks and see if it works for them too i do put um a uh, the fipronil methaprene formula on my dogs once a month because that's the one that they seem to tolerate best they don't go crazy and run around and try to rub it off like they do with some other stuff and i just put that on my little dog um he's a, a half maltese half chihuahua weighs about nine pounds and uh, his partner in crime is uh, half Chihuahua, but half whatever, and weighs uh, about 23 pounds. Uh, she wasn't having a problem with the fleas, but this was the night before that I'd put the flea stuff on. And he was going crazy. Now, he's also so small that this guy will actually come to me and, and tell me that, you know, and hold out his paws for me to put a doggy sweater on him. And I think it's because he's so little. And his fur is so different from her. She's got the coarse kind. He's, his fur is almost like little feathers that stick out, you know, and it's thin. So I, I think that he really does. I know he gets cold because he starts shivering and stuff. So I put the sweater on him, and he went outside. And when he came back in the next morning, he didn't have, I mean, he had didn't have fleas after the med- medication had taken effect. But when he came back in, he was just scratching and going crazy like he was being eaten up. Well, I pulled the sweater off, and the flea was the, the, the fleas were all in the sweater. And I really hadn't thought about it because, you know, I, it was the first time for the, the season that I'd put it on him. So what I did discover, I usually discover things by accident. <laughs> I hung the, up all of the sweaters and the little, little things that, that I had for emergencies for them and took them out. Uh, and just hung them up on hangers and took them out and, and hung them up. And it started to rain overnight while I was asleep, and I didn't get out to get them back in. And then it, it slammed cold because we have slam weather here in Mobile. It's 80 degrees, and then it's 30 degrees. 
um, but apparently the combination, not only of the rainwater softening and washing out the, the problems, but the cold. I just let them out because once the cold came, it stayed for a while. And I'm also thinking that if, if we don't have enough cold, which sometimes we don't or it's not long enough, that maybe I can put these little doggy, little do- and not just the sweaters, but doggy toys and things like that that you don't ordinarily think about. And let the cold kill them. It's non-toxic. I got the stuff anyway. And the weather, you can't do anything about. So what do you think, doctor? Well, first of all, uh, remember that uh, flea eggs can stay uh, dormant. uh, And that's probably what happened in the sweater. I'm not sure. And they can hatch out just very rapidly. Uh, So that may be what happened when you put the sweater on the little dog and then you had fleas. But, yes. Cold, cold will help uh, prevent and kill the flea larvae and the eggs. All right, uh, Mikey, thanks for the call. We are Slam Out of Time. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by generous listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show was engineered today by Michelle McAdoo, and our call screener was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.